0: the out of the shadows of my
1: life welcome once more to the so Weird podcast I'm Zach
2: I'm Kathy.
3: and I'm Emily
1: yeah and Cat couldn't be here with us today because she's been abducted by aliens and we'll let you know when she gets back to us okay <laughs> Oh that's not very nice <laughs> um, today, we are talking about episode 23, production episode 209, which is OOPA. Opa, OOPA.
2: OOPA loopa.
1: OOPA loopa, <laughs> <laughs> <Oompa>, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, what do we think of this one?
2: Um, uh, it, I have a lot of mixed feelings. Um, leaning more towards negative. I
3: don't know. For me, I, this one's mostly negative for me. I don't get a lot of enjoyment out of watching it at all.
1: Well... You know, I think this episode's okay. It's a pretty minor episode, I think, as far as the series goes. One of the problems I have with it is that I don't find the mystery of the week to be particularly exciting. Um, You know, OOPA, the title, is an acronym for Out-of-Place Artifacts, which is a real thing people talk about sometimes, though it's usually a pretty easily explainable phenomenon. In the opening scene, opening narration, Fiona talks about people finding what they think were batteries or um, you know, advanced machinery and ancient artifacts and places. But usually, in truth, objects like that are just mistaken. They're usually just lumps of rock that look like something. Um, <laughs> though that opening narration does mark the reappearance of the alien hand puppet. Yes. I don't think we've seen since the pilot, but...
3: <laughs> and I think in the opening uh, montage, we see the, uh, the Go network. He's using the Go Network. I don't know if you all remember that.
1: I have no idea what that is.
3: Okay. Uh, it was a search engine back in the day. I actually think it was a website uh, that hosted a bunch of websites, you know, one of those kind of platforms. Uh-oh. And actually, the So Weird website was on the Go Network. Oh, okay. little inner promo going on there.
1: <laughs> yeah, some uh, some more Web 1.0 artifacts in this show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those are Those are the real out of place objects um. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep
1: yeah but I think what fans really remember from this episode is this is the reappearance of Tad Braxel, who, um who is a somewhat contentious character in the so weird fandom as it is anyway
2: from what I can tell from reading comments and so on is that it seems like half the people like him half don't mm-hmm.
1: oh well I think uh, he's a little better utilized here than he was in simplicity Really? <laughs> well, yeah, I would, <laughs> oh, I, would, no. <laughs> I would say so, because he's less manic in this. I mean, there are still a couple of really cringy things he does, like his whole, uh, when the character first shows up at the hotel, which is super creepy, by the way. Yes. we sure start enough, off
2: the episode uh, with Molly coming into this little town called Paradise, Virginia. Mm-hmm. I forgot why they're there.
1: Uh, Does that have to she, do with the record deal? Yeah, she has a. She's waiting to get word from the record company.
2: Yeah, because last Irene, episode they the record company saw her perform. Right. And,
3: and Irene got some deal on the rooms in this hotel. They make a joke about it at the beginning.
1: Right. That's they're staying. They're mean. staying in this beautifully cheesy Polynesian hotel. Which is Polynesian themed hotel. Yeah.
3: Which is funny because it reminded me of the Polynesian Resort at Disney World when I saw it. <laughs>
1: A much, much cheaper version of it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never stayed there, but just the outside looks like it.
1: <laughs> I mean, in general, my, it's not a problem, but it's just something I noticed about this episode. Is I think this was probably one of the cheaper ones to produce because it's mostly people standing around and talking in rooms.
3: Mm-hmm,
1: yeah. Like, the only big special effects we get are from the quote-unquote cheese wheel, and even that, I can't imagine, was especially expensive to pull off.
2: Probably not. <laughs> yeah, and... um. Tad Brax was there. Uh he says because of business having to do with the CIA. But later in the episode he says like he really decided to be there and work with the government because he found out that Molly was going to stay there.
1: You yeah, like I said super creepy showing at the ho- showing up at the hotel yep. of the girl you <laughs> like unannounced. Yeah, that.
0: Yeah,
3: he went behind the desk to try and figure out if she'd checked in yet. <laughs> Ugh. That's just messed up. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, Molly's like, what are you doing here?
1: <laughs> yeah, she doesn't just immediately mace him or anything.
3: <laughs> yeah, she's too nice, really.
1: Well, then she goes out on a date with this guy who, who's quasi- low-key stalking her.
2: <laughs> Didn't want to. <laughs> yeah.
1: But aside from that, I think Tad is a little better <laughs> utilized here because he's not as manic in this. Like I said, there's still some moments that are a little over the top, like that first scene where he's trying to be cute and just comes off like a massive weeb. Um, I mean, when he pulls out the squished rose and he's talking about rebooting and all that stuff, that's a little hard to swallow. But once they once Tad and uh, Molly go on their, quote unquote date, um, it I think that's really the meat of the episode for me because I'm not super invested in the mystery of the week this time, I think the stuff with Molly is way more interesting.
3: He does seem more like a human in the <laughs> conversation he has with Molly. Um, but even then, did you all see the list of tips he had in his hand?
1: Oh, what were you... they?
3: Okay. So his list, I, I actually paused it. Uh, he had a list of things he was looking at while he was on the date. Be yourself. I eye, eye <laughs> contact he wrote down, like, topics that he could talk about, such as weather, the current cost of PCs, mail order versus store-bought. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a little thing that you have to – if you've seen the episode enough, you try and find other ways to look at it, I guess. What a dork. <laughs> me or him? Yeah, the character, <laughs> not
1: you. Uh-
3: <laughs> I think I am a little bit, too. <laughs> Maybe that's why he bothers me so much.
1: <laughs> um. Uh, But, you know, I mean, I think the episode is, for for its flaws, is totally worth seeing for the scene in the restaurant where Molly sings, where she plays uh, more like a river, which is one of my favorite uh, So Weird songs.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah, that scene was really great. We learn a little insight about Tad. So he says how I think Molly just is trying to have some conversations when she asks him. Um, something about him, or something when he was happy, I believe. And he talked about um, getting this clock to work, and he said that his father saw that, and his father would make him do it again and again, and basically like turn him into an act, and show him off to his friends, and that's why he became nervous.
1: Yeah, and I actually like that moment. I like that they give us a little insight into Tad's backstory there.
2: Yeah, and I kind of related Tad and his personality and learning about that, how he was into those patterns and logic and having some social issues as kind of having like high functioning autism.
1: I mean, I don't know if he's supposed to, if that was, Any intentional thing on the writer's behalf? I can. Oh yeah,
2: I I don't, I don't think so. But that's just what I related it to.
1: Yeah, I can kind of see maybe possibly being on the spectrum somewhere, or maybe possibly having some sort of OCD, um, Mm -hmm. something like that. General. I mean, obviously, Tad has some sort of uh, nervous tics and anxiety.
2: Yeah, and then being a computer genius and all. Yeah, can tie into
1: that. You know, like I said, once we, once you get over the general weirdness of him just showing up at the hotel like that and then asking for a date from this woman. He's uh, basically harassing. Uh, The episode (laughs) finds a pretty good groove, and I like all that stuff with Molly and Tad when they're talking. I think that's um, you know, I I enjoy that. Uh, I enjoy, because first off, you know, obviously more like A River is a song about Rick and dealing with the loss of that. And uh, really, pretty powerful stuff, I think.
2: Mm -hmm. Because Tad asks her to sing a song just for him.
1: Also creepy.
3: (laughs) Yes, when he says that, that's when I'm like, you killed it, dude. You killed the
2: dude. And then she seems more like a river, which is um, about Rick. And uh, I have the song meaning that John Cooksey said. Um, His quote is that it sounds like a love song, but of course it's Molly singing to Rick, missing him but knowing he'd want her to move on. So I'm thinking Mm. like it's... uh, Interesting that she's singing a song about Rick, but could it also parallel to like her telling Tad to move on from her?
1: Mm. Or maybe, you know, trying to get herself to open up to possibilities of new romance.
2: That too. (laughs) But throughout the episode, I mean, it's always coming off that she's not interested in him. Yes.
1: Obviously. I I think that's pretty clear.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So. Yeah.
3: Yeah. How do you all feel about that scene with her and Ned earlier on?
1: Well, I like it because it gives us a little bit of insight into Ned and Irene's relationship and backstory. But at the same time, it does come a little bit off as a. Yeah, I just don't know if it's good advice telling Molly, um, hey, yeah, definitely go out on a date with this dude who just showed up out of nowhere and was. <laughs> Following you and all of that—that's a—that's a thing you should do. Maybe not the best advice to give somebody. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, basically what I would say. Um, yeah,
2: I, I've just... always—I I, that line that Ned says something about on behalf of guys everywhere—it's just the worst thing.
1: Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. a, little, well, it's a little. It's like a s-
2: second to, f- to fathom that whole episode. <laughs> it,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of. Uh, I don't know. If Molly had disappeared, it would be on Ned. All right.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's thoughts, like... Emily.
3: Well, I totally agree with you all. I just... I think it's so weird. Because to me, it's obvious Idle that drop. Molly has... No, uh, yeah, sorry. But Molly, <laughs> it's so obvious she has no interest in this guy. So why should you say he should? she should give him a chance when she just doesn't feel anything there at all?
2: Yeah. Well, this, that's when Ned says... I, because he says, give him a chance or something, and then he says, I was relating, and then that's when he says how, when he asked out Irene, he was nervous, but he grew on her, and Molly's like, what, is Tad going to grow on me, mm. and, and then Ned says, on behalf of guys everywhere, you just never know, and, I don't know, that's, ugh. Because <laughs> it, it just follows a lot of the um, not tropes but the saying that a lot of TV shows have where a guy is pursuing a girl and the girl says no and the guy keeps pursuing her because oh eventually you'll break down her walls or eventually the girl will see beneath whatever and in the TV shows I watch that goes on so much and I hate it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just terrible lessons you learned from television,
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I you don't know, kind of relate that to real life. How you know, I want people to leave me a little more to listen to you, like respect what you say, but they don't. So <laughs> it's mm-hmm. that's why I hate it, yeah.
1: But yeah. he does buy her that incredible cake,
2: <laughs> what cake. But <laughs> well, the, uh, the
1: the ice cream the volcano cake thing? volcano thing, yeah, in the shape of Krakatoa uh, with the fireworks and the cherry. I mean, you know, I mean, I would be pretty impressed by that. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> yeah,
3: but then it just catches fire, so they can't eat it anyway, and they have well, to. Well, I mean, water over
1: that's it. a great story, Emily. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I guess.
1: Um, so, what do we think of the actual uh, mystery of the episode, the the UPA itself, the cheese wheel? Mm-hmm.
3: i just i don't care so much all the talk about the cia and you know them sneaking in it's i don't know to me it's just not very interesting
1: well the thing with them sneaking in is i really have to question the security measures there at the cia if a literal 14 year old (laughs) girl can get in and out so easily.
3: Oh, but they said it they, It was intentionally, like, low-profile, hush-hush, kind of, so they didn't have security at all, basically.
1: I mean, usually when you're in a government <laughs> facility, there's a security guard or something.
3: Yes, <laughs> I, I agree. I
2: thought it was BS. <laughs> BS thing to say. Um, I do but, like the little adventure, though, with Carrie and Jack.
1: Maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. a little fun.
2: Yeah, I kind of like that, too, but... That's the part about the more like a river
3: scene that I didn't understand them cutting to Fee and Carrie and Jack breaking in. I understand like time purposes and all that, but it just kind of ruined it for me, like ruined the song. I was like, what does this have to do with them breaking into the CIA? It doesn't really mesh well.
1: Um, yeah, I, w- I understand what you mean by that. There's not really any thematic connection between what Molly's singing and what's going on with the cheese wheel. Mm-hmm. Now I mean, I guess that raises the question what does everybody think the cheese wheel is?
2: Mm. <laughs> a mind reading device
1: <laughs> i mean it's they
2: a computer right they
3: use uh, you know binary it's so, the
2: atlantis computer that's what
3: they
1: said right I mean that's kind of or where they they, they, out. they go with this, <laughs> and you know i don't I always think writers falling back on the on atlantis as uh, like an explanation for something mysterious has always struck me as as really, really silly, especially since, you know, if you know your history, you know that Atlantis was never when Pluto, when Plato, I should say, wrote that story, he was not presenting this as something that actually happened. It was always meant as an allegory and a fictional story, and at some point somebody just started believing that Atlantis must have been a real thing at some point. And, um, and too often in fiction, especially in science fiction, they use it as, like, oh, this mysterious, unusual thing. It came from Atlantis, you guys.
3: <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm.
1: Um, but I, I just don't understand what the cheese wool is really supposed to do. You think at it and it's lights blank and cryptically somehow answer your question. I like, how can it do that? Why can't it do that?
3: Mm. <laughs> Beats me. I've watched a lot of doctor who and I can't answer you on this one. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't make sense to me.
1: Uh, yeah, it's just like, like if they could build a mind-reading machine, why couldn't they build a machine that had like a screen or could print out a piece of paper or something? Why why must be so cryptic, Atlanteans? The
2: <laughs> yeah. Fee figures out the pattern really quick.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because she's Fee. She's smart and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Smart in her
1: interests. And I do like that little scene where her and Tad like get really excited about solving this mystery. That's fun.
3: Hold on, what? When?
1: (laughs) There's a scene where they're talking about the cheese wheel and they start um, trying to figure out what the message it could possibly be conveying to them. And Tad says something like, what if the cheese wheel is X? And they both get really excited about trying to figure this out. You don't remember that?
3: Yes. I I do. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) It happened, I'm sure. (laughs) No, they, they have an interesting friendship, you know, I guess he they they have a mutual respect which is weird kind yeah, of Yeah, he's not annoying
2: he's he's not annoying when <laughs> Yeah. It's like Fee and yeah, talking about their computer stuff cuz I don't know he acts normal cuz he's not nervous It's Molly, I guess.
1: Right, and they have a common ground they can talk about cuz they're both into computers and stuff. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um, I don't know. So, and, you know, one thing about this episode that is kind of a downer is it does have a really weak ending. The episode just kind of stops. The cheese wheel is disappeared. It's, I just don't understand what the hell the CIA were trying to accomplish. They have this possibly advanced Atlantean artifact sitting in an open room with very little security. and Well, they
2: got Tad in to, I think, figure out what it was. But That's why they brought him in.
3: Well, well what, I, were those guys at the end the CIA? I thought they weren't.
1: The CIA or the Men in Black or something, some sort of omniscient government agency. Goons. Uh,
3: okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought maybe they were using him too. Yeah. So, confused.
1: I don't know. It's not that well explained, and <laughs> um, and that whole the, the last uh, episode, last sequence of the episode where the cheese wheel is on a boat and it spells out fee's name on its screen is maybe the most unpromising of the various mythology crumbs. The show dropped at us during season two.
2: Yeah. Cause at the end also fee is pretty sad that I guess because she, she couldn't figure out what it was or that they stole it. And Jack says, knowing you, I'm sure you'll find it again. And Carrie says something else similar in, I think we do see it again. Um, I think Cooksey has said that in the Season 3 notes, but I I don't remember. We would have seen it again, you mean?
1: You know, yeah. God bless John Cooksey, but sometimes I think he just makes stuff up. Because <laughs> 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 I really fail to see how the uh, Atlantean cheese wheel supercomputer ties ha- in with the aliens. I think it had to do with the
3: aliens. But how? They used that to communicate with the aliens? I don't know. I don't
1: know. You know, let's just be honest. This is totally like that season one episode of Buffy with the bug teacher and the bugs in the closet of the school. And that plot point was never followed up on and was never going to be followed up on. It was just an image to end the episode on. Let's just all admit
0: that. Okay.
3: <laughs> so, but I will say that when I watched this as a kid and that popped up, it got me a little excited. Even though I know nothing was going to come from it. You know?
1: <laughs> yes, the cheese wheel will return, except it doesn't.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Basically.
1: Uh, so I guess we're we're all pretty much in agreement on this episode. I think I like it maybe a little bit more than you guys do, because I think the Motley stuff does make it worth seeing. The central mystery is kind of a shrug. It's not super interesting. And the Tad stuff works all right if you can overlook the rather unsettling connotations of it. But... Um, <laughs> I do think the episode is worth seeing for that moment where Molly sings in the restaurant. I like that. I think that justifies the entire episode.
2: (laughs) Yes. The piano version.
1: Um,
2: I I do
3: like that version more than the version that uh, shows up in uh, Encore. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Uh, same.
3: More like River. Yeah, that's what I meant.
1: But, uh, yeah, you know, it's definitely, this is not high priority so weird. But um, Mm -hmm. I will say it was, the episode was directed by Michael Kennedy, who also made Rebecca and and Simplicity, directed both of those. Wow. Which, um, well, it certainly makes sense that he would direct Simplicity in this.
3: (laughs) All into the spectrum. (laughs) Um,
1: And he also, he's also directed a lot of Canadian television. That's mostly what he's done. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. I do want to give a plug because I know Kat's not here. Uh, Okay, so in the opening scene when Carrie meets (laughs) Tadrax.
2: Oh, I wrote that down too.
3: You did? (laughs) Yeah, he looks so annoyed. Which is totally a, a Molly Carey thing, right? Because he's like, who is that? And of yeah, I wouldn't have like, been my first like, guess. Who is you know, he? That, <laughs> that he's a computer genius, right? You know,
1: I didn't, I of course did not interpret that as being a hint <laughs> towards some sort of romantic feeling between Carey and Molly. I just interpret it as, you know, like, well, first off, it's a nice bit of continuity since Carrie wasn't in simplicity and has never met this guy before. And secondly, it's just his response to seeing this insane man talking to everybody. Like, <laughs> what is this guy's deal? But you can choose to interpret that way if you want to. The shippers out there.
3: <laughs> I don't ship them, but I see it. I just, how can you not?
2: There's another funny uh, Carrie line. And it was funny because he has a line off screen. But it's when Molly calls Tad to agree to go on the date and Tad just throws the phone Mm -hmm. and then off screen, but you can still hear Carrie really well. He says, why don't I hang that up for you? But (laughs) it's so funny because they just add that line in like it's not soft. It's okie dokie.
1: Great. Why don't I hang that up for you? Regular yeah. line, but you don't see Carrie. so funny. <laughs> I must have missed that. And, you know, I do actually think that is a pretty good physical comedy gag where he just drops the phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so anybody else has anything else they want to say about this one?
2: Oh, um, you go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say that really weird line in the beginning with Tad about the formal date and clothes. <laughs> That's
3: what I was going to say, too, because it always stuck out to me. I'm like, okay, this was on Disney Channel, right? How'd they get away with that?
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess that is a little, uh, you know, oh, of course it'll be a date with clothes. Uh, you
2: know? <laughs> it's weird. They, it was, they kept going on and on about that. <laughs>
1: you know, something probably the intended audience of 7 to 12-year-olds wouldn't really pick up on, but... When you're a little older, you maybe realize that was just a, a slight, a little adult suggestion there.
2: Yeah. Which made it even more weird. <laughs> just add it on.
1: You know, I like to think that Tad isn't so much a massive creep as he is just a true weirdo who doesn't understand how to interact with other human beings. And that just results in him coming off like a massive creep. And, you know, personally, I can relate to that. <laughs> but... Unfortunately, it does make him look like a massive creep sometimes. But, you know, if I was a multi-billionaire Bill Gates type, you know, who's to say I wouldn't use my wealth to abuse it and uh, <laughs> locate people like that? No. <laughs> so anyway, anybody have anything else they want to say about this one?
2: Well, just one other thing I wanted to say was I thought it was funny at the end when Tad asks the little old guy with the white hair, like, were you really the CIA? And he just rips off his fake mustache. And he's like, what do you think? So dumb.
1: Yeah, what was the fake mustache supposed to accomplish? <laughs> I don't know. Though, you know, when he takes the mustache off, he looks more Asian than when he did with it on. That's me.
0: <laughs>
1: no? Okay. <laughs> uh,
3: oh, and that guy, did you all look at his PA whenever it showed up? Oh, yeah. You can't really see much of what it says. But it includes Fee's nickname, which I Fi. thought was yeah, AKA Fee. I thought that was kind of strange.
1: Is it Honest really? All three things. Is it really necessary it to name? include the <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> AKA Fee, and then is it interest in the paranormal? Yeah, that's all you can read.
1: I love how you guys freeze frame scenes and pick up on little details <laughs> that I just miss. <laughs> Usually because I'm doing something else while I'm watching this, you know. If I, if I miss something, it's because I was folding laundry at the time. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, Yeah, you know, and it, it's like I said, this is kind of middle of the road, so weird. You know, it's a pretty forgettable episode, but one or two good moments in it, I think, makes it worth seeing.
3: Okay, so are we doing ratings?
1: Oh, are we? Are we Are we moving on to that, or does anybody else have anything uh, else they want to say?
2: Jack was interesting in this episode. He wasn't there much, but Yeah, he doesn't have much to do. He was like just falling around and didn't want to go and it's like, Oh, he ended up going. He's like, I thought it was I was just curious. Mm. Um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> that's all what I have
1: to say. Yeah. Um <laughs> You know, in my initial review of this a few years ago, I gave this a seven out of ten, which is way too high. I would probably give <laughs> it a five or a five point five now.
2: Um, I would give it a four.
1: Ooh, four. Okay. That's, uh, that's one and a half on a, at a 10 scale. That's bad. <laughs> that's a thumbs down.
3: <laughs> uh, I give this one a thumbs down for sure. Uh, it's, I don't know if it's in my bottom 10 in the, of the first two seasons, but yeah, yeah, it's probably in my bottom 10 first two seasons, not including season three. Of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I've got that written down somewhere here. Wait, wait, wait. Excuse the tippy-tapping on my screen here. Um, no, it is not in my bottom five. So that, that was a really important thing I had to look up just now. I'm, I'm so glad I did that. That was absolutely necessary. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, okay. So any feedback or anything this week,
2: Kathy? Um, yeah, from the previous weeks. Uh, we have a lot. I'm getting that out right now.
1: By the way, I saw the thing you shot at me on Twitter about the clapping. I'm glad somebody explained that to me.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Someone tweeted explaining what the clapping emojis means. From, from Williams. Jessica Williams.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, And people on the... the denizens of the internet, I love it when you acknowledge me. So thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so on YouTube, this is from Wisdom. And they commented on our werewolf episode. Um, They said, I have a few ideas for podcast episodes of So Weird. You could talk about the music, like you said. Uh, You could talk about your vision of the original season three. I also think you should do a podcast on Eerie Indiana TV show as well as the books. I'm 15 and got into the series a few months ago. I love it a lot, and I wish they did the original season three. This show reminds me a lot of Erie, Indiana. Please consider my ideas.
1: Wow, Erie, Indiana, that's a show I have not thought about in a very long time.
3: <laughs> I watched Erie, Indiana like last summer. I think I mentioned it in a previous episode. And I do get why there are comparisons between So Weird and Erie, Indiana. Um, but well, my- ultimately, I didn't like it as much as I thought thought I would
1: based on what everyone had said. So. Well, I saw Erie, Indiana when it was re-airing on Fox Kids in the late 90s around the time that Goosebumps was really popular. Which probably was around the same time as So Weird was on. Another thing about it. and um, I remember it was okay. Yeah, I don't really remember too much about the show. I remember Bigfoot going for the trash in the opening credits. I remember there was this vaguely antagonistic kid with white hair for some reason that acted like Christian Slater and Heathers. Um yes. And I also remember there was some episode where this kid thought that um, the backwards messages in the heavy Metal albums were telling him to do evil things. But when they (laughs) play the record backwards, at the end of the episode, it's his dad screaming at him. That's like the only specific episode of Erie Indiana that I remember. (laughs) And there's also
3: a meta episode, which I thought was pretty interesting.
1: Right. And I think Joe Dante of Gremlins and The Howling Fame directed that.
3: Yeah, that one was pretty good. Uh, but I think the issue with eerie and I had was that I didn't really care about the characters because they were all supposed to be like normal, bland, suburban characters. Like that was the setting. That's what his family was supposed to be like. It was kind of like, this is what the world is, appears to be, but underneath the surface, there's all this weird stuff going on.
1: So. Okay. And wasn't yeah. there also, like, a Tupperware zombie episode or something? I remember something involving Tupperware.
2: Like, the, uh, people, yeah. the mom was keeping the
1: kids in the Tupperware because they were, like, from the 50s or something? hmm Okay, okay. See, I remember – it's coming back to me now.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know about a podcast, but, uh, yeah, thanks for that suggestion. What were the other ones? Music episodes? Music
2: and – our vision of the original season three. Well, the
1: season three episode is definitely going to happen. And as for the music episode, I think, I I don't know if that's going to be something. I think when we get to, to encore, that's something we'll probably end up talking about.
3: Yeah, that sounds good. And we'll probably end up talking about the original season three after season two.
2: Yeah. So, um, thanks for the comment. And I'm really glad you got into the series. Um, I wonder how you got into the series, if you saw it online or a friend showed you or a relative. Yeah, that but, is a good question. And also,
1: Where are yeah, the 15-year-olds watching so weird? <laughs> <laughs> okay, any other feedback? <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, so on the same episode for Werewolf, this is from Alona Bunning. They said, I'd like to reiterate, although this may be best saved for Banshee or, heck, especially Fathom, just how amazing it was to have a show that focused so much on the main characters, adult mothers, relationships, and problems. I haven't seen too many new Disney shows, so I admit they could have moved forwards more strong adult characters. But so much of the time, the parents and teen kid shows of the era were cookie cutter moms and dads who were good for a bit of advice but rarely had much um, had much personality. In some cases, a parent had died or was out of the picture, but the impact on the parent was barely discussed. They might crack a few jokes and comedies, but they usually behaved like Buffy's mother in seasons one and two of that show, with little impact besides being lied to about the ongoing dramas or adventures. Even though it's obviously adults making these shows, I remember that common thread having some impact on my view of adults and a pervasive feeling that... They just wouldn't understand to the point of forgetting in a subconscious way that there were people with their own complex problems. Just the little discussion about Molly's relationship with her father in this episode helps set the stage for that kind of consideration. Werewolf had not a lot of impact on me as a child, but I definitely feel felt the themes of a hidden secret slash puberty related change connecting with the experience of closeted gay teens when i watched it later on even though i don't know if that was what they were going for it being relatively early in the days of shows even acknowledging other sexualities
1: Done. (laughs) (laughs) well i mean yeah we've talked about before how molly is one of the best tv moms and how the show's writing for her was always really strong so definitely agree with that
3: yes i i agree that they did a really good job of uh, you know, developing your friend- like the adult friendships in the show. I think that this episode kind of makes me think about how Molly's relationships are portrayed in the show, like romantic relationships, particularly with this episode in Fathom. Um, <laughs> I don't think they do a very good job with it myself. But I remember reading in the original season three doc or something about how Molly was supposed to – like, they wanted to illustrate that Molly was meant to be with Rick only, or something like that. Like, they were destined to be together, and all of the relationships after that, you know, weren't going to work out for her. If, well, that's that's right. sad. <laughs> yeah. But I think that they, the way they they have her end up going on dates with these losers, <laughs> I, I feel like they should have done a better job of portraying that without having her, like, have the worst experiences on, you know, dating people. Does that make sense?
1: Well, no, I mean, it, it's true that Molly's uh dates were pretty bad. I mean, when her two options are a kind of creepy, obsessive computer billionaire and a abusive mermaid man, or merman, <laughs> I should say. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, now I get why people ship her with Carrie. You're totally right, you guys. That makes way <laughs> more sense. Uh,
3: yeah. But I, I definitely agree that they really developed her friendships well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, any other feedback or anything?
2: Uh, yep, I have a lot to go. Okay. Um, for the same episode, so this is from the Tumblr user, very own personal blog. Oh, They okay. said, for some reason, I always thought the town always knew about werewolves and might have killed Laura's birth mother. Maybe they didn't know the baby they found was related to the werewolf they killed. Thanks for sharing your story, Kat. Which cat's uh, not here, so I don't remember what the story was.
1: Man, I'm so sorry. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow, that's... I I never would have thought of that for
1: werewolf.
2: Yeah, I me mean, neither. But that's pretty interesting.
1: Okay, anything else?
2: <laughs> um. This is for our medium episode on YouTube from Finding Buglantis. One of my personal favorites. I especially love that scene at the end where Fee and Molly are playing the guitar in the room and Jack stands outside. In a way it's kinda symbolic. Throughout the episode we see in detail how Molly and Fee deal with Rick's death, but we don't spend much time with Jack. The most he does in the entire episode is tell the medium off off screen. That's because Jack doesn't show his emotions as much. With Fi and Molly being so emotionally vulnerable, he has to be the strong one. He misses his dad, but he has to hold it together for their sake.
1: Yeah, and I noticed you even used that as the uh, a thumbnail for the YouTube episode and the iTunes download.
3: Yeah, that's always stood out to me as one of the highlights, mm-hmm. I guess.
2: I think it stood out to a lot of people, that ending scene, which is Jack standing there. Because it shows so much about him. his emotions that we never really see in the show
3: yeah kind of took my breath away the first time i saw it i just wasn't expecting it but it was totally heartbreaking
2: so this finding bug lance's person commented a lot
1: cool i love that yeah thanks
2: for our sacrifice episode they said i really i really like this episode it was a bit goofy at times but the story with the soldier was amazing Plus, I love cryptozoology. The idea of monsters potentially existing in real life is fantastic.
1: Okay. We agree with that. I agree with that.
3: Yeah. That episode's one of my, uh, I guess, I feel like it's probably underrated. It doesn't Mm -hmm. get talked about a lot,
2: and I really enjoy it. And for Second Generation, our recent one, um, they said... As far as I know, Sam Winchester was born in 1983 and Phoebe is 14 when the series started in 1999, so she was born in 1985. So, okay. That two year gap. <laughs> Perfect.
1: <laughs> for, for the people who really want to go into that. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they said, I noticed that So Weird is really good with musical cross cut montages like they did with song Rebecca, or the absolutely amazing sequence in Banshee with the song The Rock. Encore just took that to insane levels.
3: Yeah, but again, I didn't like the montage in "Oopa," so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's just me, though.
1: Well, well, thank you, Bug Guy.
2: For our last episode, you guys should look up James Veach. He's a comedian who replies to scam emails and trolls the ever-loving hell out of the scammers.
1: Okay, what does that relate to?
3: Oh, I think it has to do with um, the beginning of the episode when Molly's all concerned that Fee's going to get scammed or something. And Do you remember that?
1: No.
2: <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it's lost, so she gets the email, and it's, like, random, and Molly's, like, I don't know, yeah. why are you talking to this? Could be scam- spam, but... But thank you.
1: Always thank you for the feedback, for sure. It's always, it's always <laughs> very appreciated.
2: Yeah. Um, for a siren episode, uh, penguin 87 said, I'm glad I'm not the only one who saw the candy dude. Oh, yeah. No idea what they're talking about. <laughs>
3: no, no, no. They're talking about the extra. The guy, he was in the siren episode staring at Jewel State all creepily. And he turns out, turns out he was the guy passing out candy and boo too. Yeah, I remember. Oh, okay. Okay,
1: okay. That makes more sense.
3: Okay, I'm glad I'm not (laughs) the only one who saw that, too. We're both big dorks, so
2: go us. And then our last one from Andrea, uh, replying to Second Generation. She said it was a good episode and that Molly's performance of In the Darkness suits the scene where Ryan learns that he is a clone because in that moment, the truth surrounding the mystery of his origins is finally revealed and it is a dark truth that he now has to live with for the rest of his life. I also appreciate that Fee's relationship with Ryan serves as one of our reminders that even though she is unique and has a knack for encountering the paranormal, she really is just a normal teenage girl in some ways, and she is growing up. We get that reminder again in the intro of Transplant, where we see her trying on lipstick and different clothes. I like how the series keeps things real, despite all the sci-fi and paranormal elements that were woven in.
1: Okay. Great. Thank you, Andrea, for your continued support.
2: Yeah, and I think that is it.
1: Okay, great. Wow, lots of, <laughs> lots of feedback this week. Well, keep it coming, yeah. you guys. Yeah, thanks. Seriously. Uh, okay, so is that it for this episode? Yeah. All right, well... Okay, are you, are you absolutely <laughs> sure, though?
2: I'm absolutely sure.
1: Okay, great. So, in, in that case, if this is indeed the end of the episode, I'm Zach... I'm Kathy. And I'm Emily. And you have been listening to the So Weird podcast. Keep the Faith.
2: Bye.
0: There's a motel in Texas. Heartbed on the wide blue sky. Had a dream there. But morning came too soon I rolled over And I said it out loud Said give me one more moment Just one more moment To finish this dream Not try to hold back these feelings at all Cause when I miss you when I'm dying See